Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome back to another episode of One in Ones. On this episode, we are going to meet our favorite hobbyist, Levi Styles. And if you've ever been to our Portola Drive Cafe or our downtown location, chances are you know exactly who Levi is and have heard him talk about his featured project for the week he's absolutely hyped on. On this episode, we talk about his journey and how he got to this cafe, some of his various hobbies that he enjoys doing, has done in the past, how and why he lives such a happy and adventurous life, and I had such a great time listening to and conversing with Levi, and Levi, I just want to say thank you so, so much for just being yourself and sharing your story with me, and now with everyone. Uh, Always and forever, thank you, thank you so much to all of you listening. I truly appreciate it. Have a wonderful day out there, friends. I will see you guys later. What is something you are really hyped on right now? Sewing machines. My wife is sick and tired of hearing about sewing machines. So here I am. I'm going to talk about it one more time. Okay. Yeah. She can listen to this. <laughs> what up, babe? Uh, I've been like, I started off like repairing a lot of my own clothes. I bought five pairs of the same jeans to mm-hmm. replace 11 pairs of the same jeans that my thighs outgrew. So I bought 11 pairs of brown jeans, planned on never buying jeans basically ever again. I was like, these brown jeans will last me for the next two decades. Uh-huh. And then I started squatting. My thighs shot out of those uh, brown pants. So I sold them all the crossroads, <laughs> bought five pairs of black pants, which have been holding me over really nicely, but they've been blown out in the knees and the crotch. Uh-huh. So I was doing like self-repair, like uh, self-repair, hand repair, like uh-huh. hand sewing them, which got really old really fast because I kept blowing them out. And you're limited uh, in your ability to actually repair them when you sew them by hand. Mm-hmm. I did pretty well, got through a year and a half of black jeans, and then was like, I'm gonna buy a sewing machine, and went down that rabbit hole. Uh, so Singer has like these, I don't know, legacy is the wrong word, grails, mm-hmm. like these sewing machines that are like very desirable from the late 50s, uh, from the 30s to the late 50s. And uh, so I've been on the search for those sewing machines and I got a little obsessed. (laughs) I bought one here in Santa Cruz, used it, loved it, and then decided that I wanted a better one. So I bought a better one. And now I think I'm actually addicted to the sewing machines and not the sewing. So I've got to like back off on like Craigslist searching. Do you have for, like collectors like yes, sewing they, machines they, on the wall? They do. So you can get like the Singer 301A, which is like the straight stitch machine from the early 50s. And then there's the single Singer 401A, which does zigzag and a bunch of like embroidery stitches. And then you can get I like <laughs> I've been talking about it so much at work that like the guests that come in have been like, oh, I've got a sewing machine in my garage. Let me bring in some pictures of it and see if you want it. I'm like, oh, no, I do have a problem. So my goal for this month is to stop looking at sewing machines and, like, start sewing a little bit more. Mm, Start using it. Yeah, start using it. Because I originally intended on just repairing my clothes. But Uh once I got the sewing machine, I was like, oh, I could make my own clothes. Hmm. So I was like, make my own shirt. Yeah. And then move on from there. Yeah. How many shirts have you made from, from that gray one that I saw? It had, like, an orange... Uh, what do you call this? The, oh, the collar? Yeah. 
I made one pink shirt as like a quick shirt to make. I was like, okay, I'm gonna throw this together real fast. Made it in like two hours. It was maybe like a C plus shirt, pretty terrible. But I learned all the steps, and then I busted out an old school wool blanket, and then I made. Oh yeah, yeah, that's the Peter the, Pan shirt. Yeah, the Peter Pan shirt. <laughs> so I made like this Peter Pan shirt out of the World War II uh, blanket, oh. and it came out really good. Like the collar came out great. Yeah. The fit was perfect, and. That one, that was like the shirt. I was stoked on that one. And I've got about 10 more wool blankets. So I think the next one is going to be mint chip green with a stripe across Ooh. the chest. And then I have a pink blanket that I'm going to cut up and do like the collar and the, all the, all the, uh, what do you call those? The borders, the borders of the shirt, the collar, mm -hmm. the hems on the sleeves and mm -hmm. the bottom hem. Yeah. So I've been obsessed with sewing machines for no good reason. I think it's just something to occupy my mind more than anything. That's sick. Yeah. Cause it's like since i've known you it's like you're very would you call yourself a hobbyist yeah my, i think i like go through phases mm, mm -hmm, yeah mm -hmm. and so my recent goal has been to like instead of phasing things out just phase things in and keep the old things mm, mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying because yeah, yeah, yeah. generally i jump from thing to thing yeah and i'd like to just slowly add things while i keep up with the old things yeah yeah because i remember it was before spearfishing. Yeah. And then picking up uh, gold coins and making uh, a treasure chest. Oh, yeah, for sure. I got like $800 in gold coins <laughs> in a treasure yeah. chest. It was sick. And then there was, um, uh, so then now it's sewing. And I think before it was oh, cars, you... maybe? Oh, yeah, I bought an old, like a 78 CVCC. Yeah, it was yep. like looking into different cars. Yeah. And then the cars things has been one of the things I've done forever. I've probably owned 20 different cars. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then aside from material things, there's been the gallon of milk a day. Oh, yeah. Gallon of milk a day. Oh, and lawn tip vids. Law, yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's this guy in Australia with a sweet lawn and I follow him and buy his merch. He's got like not that many followers, but yeah. I watch him mow his lawn once a week. It's spring in Australia right now, just so you know. <laughs> And then um, there's thrifting is something that's pretty consistent. Thrifting, yeah. Yeah. I think there's probably more out the there, platform. too. The platform. The platform was one. I was thinking that one was more because you're building your own home, too. So yeah. it's like that's a, an add-on to that. Yeah. But the platform was a huge thing. I slept on the platform every day in October. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and then Willow, Willow, my daughter, she slept on the platform with me probably 15 of those 30 days Whoa. she was way into it nice i'm out there like scared of mountain lions at my own house and my daughter's like hey, yeah let's just you know go out on the platform <laughs> she she'd probably bring chicken out there with us <laughs> i'm like no we can't bait the mountain lions to our to our campground <laughs> let's bring a chicken yeah come on <laughs> let's oil ourselves up with some bacon <laughs> grease and lay in the tent and see if we can see some wildlife out in here i feel like i've asked you this question but you grew up in Bay Area or Yeah, East they I call it East Bay, but it's like so East Bay. Okay, East that Bay. It, like, yeah. Some people wouldn't even count it as East Bay. I was mm -hmm. in Brentwood, Antioch, uh, which is like next to Discovery Bay and below Concord Walnut Creek. Okay. Yeah. Nice. It was like a farm town when we moved in. It was like orchards and uh and you pick cherries and like a lot of dirt clogs. You know, mm -hmm. clod, clod or clog? Clog a, sounds right. Clod. Yeah. A dirt clod. 
Dirt Clod. Never thought about that. I think I've been saying it wrong all these years. If you say it really fast, I don't think people will Dirt notice. Dirt Clod? Yeah. Yeah, it's Clod with a D. <laughs> now you know. Uh, and then now it's like a bustling. That's like huge. There's mm-hmm. a lot of strip malls. No more orchards. It's crazy to see things change. Yeah. And then you grew up there. I was there from fourth grade to my junior year. And then my parents bought the island. And then your parents stayed on the island. And then you then went to school? Or when did did you leave the island? I don't know. It was very (laughs) blurry lines when I left the island. So, like, I remember my parents moved to the island. And then at some point... My mom called and is like, are you coming home for dinner? And I was like, mom, I moved out two weeks ago, right? Like, I have a place. <laughs> I have a lease. Like, I'm living with friends. Uh-huh. And it wasn't even in, like, a rebel against my parents kind of way. It was just like, oh, this is the next step. Like, I just grad- I had just graduated high school. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, yeah, I-, I have a job. I can pay rent. Yeah. I'll do that. And so, like, I moved out, and they didn't know. And then I had a house. Uh-huh. And then for a while, I was, like, living out of my van next to the river. That was great. <laughs> uh, I had, like, one of those, like, Westphalia man van oh, situations. Oh, those are so yeah, sick. Yeah, it was great. So there was, like, a lot of, like, blurry where I was living this mm. from high school until through community college mm-hmm. into, like, and then I went to Davis. Nice. And so, But it was cool because I had, like, my friends in town. My parents on an island. Mm-hmm. I was going to school like 30 minutes outside of town. So I was just driving all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. When you say island, what do you mean by like... My parents found an old duck hunting club. Uh, <laughs> my dad at like when the market was about to collapse was like, we need to get out of here because things aren't going to last. Mm-hmm. And my mom was like, how long do we have? And he's like, two months. And she's like, what? So they sold their house. And then she's like, so what do we do? And he's like, we're going to buy land. So they were searching for land in the area near us. Mm-hmm. And my parents have always been pretty adventurous. So they found this island. And it was 34 acres. Uh, it reminded me a lot of Swiss Family Robinson. It yeah. was very, very open. Yeah. And very old. And so we remodeled the island uh they like asked us is this okay with you guys and my sister was like no i do not want to live on the island Mm -hmm. and i was like this is amazing and i definitely want to live here (laughs) because it it felt like it was like straight adventure land Mm -hmm. it didn't make any sense to me i was like this is this is real you guys are actually going to buy this place (laughs) and so my mom was like a dental hygienist during the day and then like a levee repair woman at night Uh so we basically cleared the whole island my parents made it very wedding venue-esque like it looked gorgeous by the time they were done done with it which took them probably 10 years oh wow and yeah it was great a lot of fun that sounds really cool though like a whole process and then to see it look super beautiful at the end of it yeah for sure nice and then from so the during the blur period and then when you went to school at davis what did you what did you decide to study i uh from community college to Davis, I didn't. I thought I was going to be an anesthesiologist, mm-hmm. right? So I was like, going to make the big bucks. I was mostly motivated by the big bucks, mm-hmm. right? And then I needed a couple of credits to transfer, mm-hmm. and so I took like three philosophy courses one summer. Mm-hmm. So like super condensed, you know, a month and a half of just intense philosophy courses: theology, intro to philosophy, and 
uh, I think critical thinking. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Oh, I get to argue with people for fun (laughs) for like eight hours a day for the next month and a half. This is so sick. Mm -hmm. So when they asked me to declare a major for Davis, I was like, I'm for sure majoring in philosophy. Mm -hmm. And at that point, like it was, they were shaping my mind more than like my career path, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And I really enjoyed that. And then I took OCHEM and calculus and I was like, yep, for sure. Don't want to be an anesthesiologist. (laughs) Let's just, uh, let's just play with people's thoughts for for fun. And I think, so I tell people I majored in coffee shop. Yeah, totally. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's Okay. Do you agree with this thought of like you went to school and s- ended up studying something you truly enjoyed for sure and something that helped you like again like you said shape your mind or just grow into like a path that you want to be or the person you want to be and yeah. then not necessarily career oriented at the end Yeah for sure that's mm-hmm. exactly what happened I had oh this is a fun one. So I had like got diagnosed with a gnarly disease. Oh, what? Uh, yeah. Gnarly disease. Very like in my community college era, uh-huh. like a disease that was going to limit my life to like seven to 10 years. And so at that point in time, I was very uh, like living day to day. I was like, oh, I need to be happy today. Uh-huh. Like I need to be happy tomorrow yeah and so then i took the philosophy courses and it was like basically that like i got to take philosophy of happiness i got to take critical thinking Uh and i was like oh do i want to be in college anymore like if i only have seven to eight years left Uh like is college something i want to pursue yeah and then philosophy was like oh for sure i want to pursue this Uh and then i found out that the disease thing was like a false positive uh-huh. Right. So like I wasn't at risk of dying in 10 years. Yeah. And I think that super influenced the direction of my like my thought process for yeah. basically the rest of time. I was like, oh, this could happen at any time. Let's let's enjoy this. Yeah. Yeah. How old were you when you found out? I was 19. Oh, my gosh. So yeah. you were like pretty young and we're like, ah. oh, yeah. It was very, very stressful and for then, about six months. And then when did you find out that you were, like, fine? Six six to eight months after. Oh, okay. So, like, I had eight months of, like, super heavy stress. Yeah. Like, my my acne, my, like, my puberty acne. Yeah. My parents thought it had taken, like, super hold of me because I didn't tell them. Yeah. Right? Like, I was, like, flying solo in this world. Uh-huh. And I, like, had broken out, like, crazy and maybe a year later i was like hey mom this happened and uh-huh. she's like oh it all makes sense now that's why you were so broken out yeah i was like oh i was stressed oh my god but i think that overall heavy positive influence on my outlook yeah and i think it also influenced my direction at davis when i went there i was like oh yeah like, just do what makes you happy yeah do you mind me asking what disease you had <laughs> It was for sure HIV. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So, like, I had gotten diagnosed at Planned Parenthood. Oh, man. And it was, like, rough life. Oh, man. And so you felt, like, so free. You couldn't I was tell like, anyone. I was like, oh, no, I, like, I like told all my friends. Uh-huh. Like, I let my, I let my, the people that were really close to me in, like, 
proximity. Like mm-hmm. the people that were living with me knew, mm-hmm. but nobody else knew. And I took a, like basically reassessed life for those six months mm-hmm. because I took the they like I went into Planned Parenthood and was like, hey, let's let's just make sure that like I'm good. Mm-hmm. And they were like, you're not good, <laughs> right? Oh, and no. let me give you like a lot of pamphlets, yeah, right. And uh, they gave me all the pamphlets, mm-hmm. and then they like retested things, and they sat me down, and like I watched this little like red stripe appear on this little blood test. I was like, for sure, this is this is basically a life changing moment that I'm having right now. Yeah. And so like the lady came back in, and she's like, so this is what's happening, and I waited. She's like, basically, you should retest again. In like three to six months, I did a ton of research on that that like little blood test thing that I had, mm-hmm. and they were like, "It's a one in like ten thousand chance that it's a false negative." Like it was a very very small chance. Well, I was or a false positive, I guess. Mm-hmm. I was that very small chance. Mm-hmm. So it was like one of those super hard sections of life that super influenced the way yeah. that I think about things on the day to day. Oh. I think when you said how like that that was so pivotal because it it kind of just said like do what makes you happy. Yeah. And so you kind of did that going into Davis and then you would even say that's what you still hold on to and like do even now in your everyday? Oh, for sure. Would you say if this didn't happen, would you have maybe not appreciated or had that mentality? It's kind of hard to say. I think that I was already... I had been set up really well by my parents to have that mentality. Like, they were never... It was always just be happy, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. we just want you to be happy. That's all we really want for you. Mm -hmm. And then the HIV thing definitely made it... It, like, reinforced it all the way through. Like, it became a core part of who I was, Mm -hmm. which is that really you, you only have today... Right. Mm -hmm. And you can plan for the future. And I do. Mm -hmm. But there's no reason not to appreciate now. And I think it just kind of like it sunk into the core of who I was. Mm -hmm. It I was already a super happy person. So like even through that six months, Mm -hmm. other than my crazy, like the internal stress (laughs) that I had going on. Yeah. From the outside, my friends were like, how are you holding up so well? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, my best friend was, like, in tears, right, at dinner when I had told him. He's like, and he's like, how are you not, how are you, like, even going to work? Yeah. And I was like, I have no option. (laughs) Just going to take this thing day by day. And luckily, luckily, (laughs) the result was uh, that I get to live on till like, old age. Yeah. And obviously, that's the case now as well. Like, even with that. Mm -hmm. that situation like they've made so many leaps and bounds medically Mm -hmm. but at the time it was very like up in the air yeah like especially in high school when you're not even that smart like i didn't know what to do research wise yeah and i was like and i got i'm just gonna wait six eight months and then we'll figure out what what i actually need to do yeah right yeah and uh yeah it was a very very interesting time in my life yeah because i in a stressful situation like that, I would very much like to say that I would be very calm, cool, and collected. Oh, for but, sure. And I I don't know if I can. Maybe up until like a certain amount of time, but then it would start like showing that I'm not okay. Yeah. I think physically it took a toll on my body. Yeah. Like the stress definitely was like affecting me. Yeah. 
but I tried to maintain as positive an outlook as I could. And like thinking about it as like, okay, I can let this like destroy me for a little while mm-hmm. or I can go, oh, I've only got eight to 10 years, seven to 10 years left. So how am I going to make the most of those seven to 10 years? And it's not by being upset with myself on the day to day. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I very much. Okay. Because to now use that same mentality to see you today, there are so many moments where I'm like, how is Levi so like happy? <laughs> and like, I, I understand you do feel stress and you do feel like all these things, but you you do it so well, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And it's really admirable. Like, I'm not just saying that where I'm like, one of those things is that you're always, you always have this positive outlook on everything. And then the other one is when there's some sort of challenge, you are like committed to the challenge and like finishing it through. Yeah, for sure. And it's just like, I honestly, I'm just like, props to you because i don't know how you do it but it's so admirable to do and it's like working steps to get there yeah i also think i i actively work on it okay you know what i'm saying yeah like i i'm already uh not predetermined uh i like i think it's kind of built into me a little bit mm-hmm. but then i'm always actively working on it okay and i'll like challenge my own thought processes and like try and seek the happiness like oh okay so today this is what i did mm-hmm. how did that make me feel like self-assess yeah you know okay yeah yeah. self-assess and then most of the time i realize that if you just choose to be happy it all like, works out it's way better yeah so i think you asked me one time when we first started working together like if you could pass on three things to like your daughter uh-huh. i thought that was a great question and i was like well one the first one was is that you can like choose to be happy and I think that's a big one. Oh, I'm so good. I totally forgot I asked you this yeah. question. <laughs> um, yeah, you were interviewing me a long time ago. Yeah. 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 Closes are good for that. When you close the coffee shop. Yeah. And, like, you have the, like, last, like, hour of coffee shop. And then, like, the doors close and the yeah. doors are locked. And then you have an hour with this person that you really don't know that well yet. Mm-hmm. And I thought that would be just initially. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what I found out is that, like, as Cat and Cloud grows, mm-hmm. like, you get that hour with everyone. with everybody yeah. and all the all the new employees that come in, mm-hmm. and like, you really get to know people in that hour. Like that hour mm-hmm. is is so valuable. It re- it really is. It's probably one of my favorites, especially at this cafe. Yeah. It was so good. And we closed a lot together for yeah. like a good chunk of time. So we got we got to know each other pretty quickly. Yeah. Oh, it was so sick. Plus, you have the same mentality. Like, you're not scared to ask the questions. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. me and you both like to ask questions. Like, yeah. we're, we're those people. And so you'd ask the fun questions. You'd ask those thought-provoking questions. Yeah. Yeah. I think being introspective and self-assessing and spending time with yourself, because there's a lot where you're very much giving your time to work or to people or whatever. But I've noticed for me, if I don't spend that time with myself to just kind of go on a long drive or like spend some time in the water. If I don't have that time, I I don't know where I'm at. And for a long time, there was a period where I did that for like almost a whole year of not self-assessing. Yeah. So it was not good. So I've, I've come to realize and learn that that's something that I need. 
Totally. I, I think a lot of the times, too, when things do get a little crazy or a little extra stressful, those are the times when I try, I, I actively self-assess at that moment. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I filled this welling up in me, right? Like, mm-hmm. let's just stop for a second and, like, realize that I'm feeling stress and this isn't as big a deal as I think it is. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that if I choose to, like, I guess not push the stress away, Mm -hmm. but realize how little it matters, Mm -hmm. that I can act in a more cool, calm, and collected manner, Mm -hmm. which will make the stress actually go away. So, like, act like it doesn't matter as much. Mm Mm-hmm. And then it doesn't seem to matter as much. Yeah. And it actually brings whatever tension is there. Yeah. Like, it, it settles that yeah. tension. Do, like, a quick assessment because you don't have the time to do a full one. So it's like, right now, we're going to do this and not yeah. worry about what we can't do right now. But yeah. we're not going to ignore it fully. Let's, yeah, give it that that moment of pause. Yeah. Uh, yep, yep. Big fan. Yeah. Assessments. Assessments. Self-assess all day. <laughs> one of my... My my following question was, or is, what has been an influential moment in your life or person in your life? I mean, there are a lo- obviously tons of people that influence your life. Like your parents are the big one, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I think that my wife has also been a big one. Like we don't see eye to eye on everything. Mm-hmm. Um even some of the bigger things, but having that, that outside perspective is always nice. And I think the same thing happens with your parents or with your friends and everybody's got, you like, I heard it described once as uh, like a quiver. Everybody's got a quiver of arrows, right? Uh, like tools that they can use Oh yeah, to yeah, yeah. like, to live, live for lack of a better word, their best life. Mm-hmm. Right. And like, if you can borrow some of those arrows, like you can slowly add them to your quiver. Right. Like for instance, like Kira spends a lot of time with her friends and I don't spend as much time with my friends. So like I borrow that quiver from her or that arrow. It's like, okay, I could definitely make more time to like sit down with friends. Yeah. But if like, if you were asking who's the most influential recently, it's been Willow. Right. Cause like you get to see, you watch somebody like grow up from being like a little, little girl or like basically a baby into where she is now. Yeah. And you realize that like we're all just children that mm-hmm. are like a little bit older. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Pretty yeah. <laughs> we're I, all just like older children. Yeah. And you get to see some some people that you may not have appreciated as much as you could have through the lens of how they grew up uh-huh. and what things that they embraced uh from their childhood and what things that they never let go of that they maybe should have Mm -hmm. you know yeah like some bad habits persist Mm -hmm. and then other things that you wish you could have held on to you see those people hold on to like i really appreciate when people even late into into their life can be playful Mm -hmm. like when you see 50 year olds that are playful like i'm like you won you got yeah. this. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so, like, it makes you appreciate those moments even more. You ever watch your grandparents, like, watch little kids? 
Uh, not personally, but I've seen like grandparents like watch their grandchildren or yeah. little kids in general. I didn't really appreciate the level of richness that comes with just watching somebody else play uh-huh. until you watch somebody else like play all the time. So yeah. like, I'll, you know, you get distracted with your cell phone or you feel like I really want to be sewing or whatever it is that you're into. Like right now it's sewing machines Mm -hmm. for me. (laughs) Yeah. Right. (laughs) But sometimes it's just like set all that stuff aside and just like focus your attention on somebody else for that moment. Yeah. I think that was really healthy for me. Yeah. And I think it helped me like not only here at cat and cloud, but like also just in general. Yeah refocusing my attention fully on somebody else with no expectation mm-hmm. you know yeah like i could we we just came from yosemite so i think i'm coming off of that pretty hard mm-hmm. but those kids could play for like 10 hours a day yeah 10 hours from from sun up to sundown yep they are doing nothing other than experiencing the, the moment that they're in yeah fully take like three bites of a sandwich leave it there and go play some more or just like fully experiencing the joy of something for that purpose yeah right like oh i'm in this hammock and i am swinging as hard as i can and that's all there is for that kid at that moment there's yeah. no what are other people thinking about me there's no uh, what am I wearing? Do I look cool? Yeah. There's just, I am whipping so hard on this hammock. Yeah, yeah. It feels great, and I'm going to continue to do this until I want to hit my cousin with a stick. <laughs> you know? Like, and then, and then we'll learn that hitting your cousin with a stick is good for nobody, yeah. and we'll move on to stacking rocks just for the sake of seeing how high we can stack them. Yeah. And, like, those simple, simple pleasures, I got a lot out of just watching those things happen Yeah. for eight hours a day. Do you think it's because it kind of, like, triggered something of, like, a memory or, like, a com- like a commented in something in your life where, like, I had a similar experience and it just a quick two second brought you back to that? Yeah, I think that some of it is nostalgia, like you're reliving your childhood. Mm-hmm. And then two, for instance, with the sewing machine thing, like that is purely for me, mm-hmm. right? Like those moments when I'm like discovering something, I don't have to be thinking about anything other than the fact that like that's what I'm interested in and that's okay, mm-hmm. right? For instance, like the gold coin thing. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah. So the gold coin thing started with like how many pennies can I collect Mm -hmm. and how much would those pennies weigh if they were a one by one by one cube? Mm -hmm. That's nonsense. And that (laughs) affects it purely was for my own joy. I think it's I think watching children grow up has made me appreciate artistic expression. Okay. Like there's something like I get it a little bit more now. Mm-hmm. Whereas before I was like, why, why, why would you do that? Mm-hmm. Why are we piling these things and like making decorations and like and it's purely for the moment. And it's like, oh, I do this 100% because I enjoy it. Like intrinsic joy versus extrinsic. Ex, what's the word? Extrinsic. Extrinsic. It's. I think so. Yeah. He's yeah. 
Eastern, yeah. Yeah, but like the intrinsic joys. I've been watching a lot of intrinsic joy recently, and yeah. it's really affected like the way I operate on the day to day. Yeah. I think it's like that next level of happiness. Yeah. Yeah. When you know you could purely, fully immerse and enjoy that moment and not worry about what you're going to do next, I think that's where you want to be, not only as a kid, but like as a bigger kid. Yeah, like living in the present, living yeah. right now. Yeah. Like uh, the future. If you're doing it right in the moment, you're going to do it right in the future. I also think that, like, camping specifically uh -huh. really, really makes that come forward. Yeah. It's kind of stripping away all, like, excess distraction or whatever. Yeah, like, all excess. It's just, it's just people interacting with people in nature. I'm so about that. Yeah. My following questions are going to be more coffee-oriented. Oh, yeah. And it's how... Did you get to Cat and Cloud? And then what has your experience or what has it felt like for you since day one? So I think it's more like I'm going to start with like how I got here, yeah. which was like a lot, a lot of small jobs. Mm -hmm. I was doing, you know, I, I mean, for lack of humility, I guess I've always felt like I've had a pretty good work ethic and enjoy work. And I like like you said, approaching challenges and solving problems. And so after college, I ended up jumping around between a lot of little jobs because when I was building a house and I was, you know, like starting a family and we, we did like, we were basically, we were just moving and shaking all the time. Mm -hmm. And career wise, I wasn't really concerned about having a good career. I was just concerned about like maintaining happiness on the day to day. Like, not maintaining, but just, like, being as happy as I could. And a lot of that happiness I've, I realized was career or job-related. Like, mm -hmm. I wanted to accomplish a task. And when I was stifled in other positions, I'd leave. I was like, oh, I can't thrive here, so I'm going to bounce. Mm -hmm. So I'd work hard. I'd feel stifled. I'd leave. I'd work hard. I'd feel stifled. I'd leave. And finally, I realized, like, this is not a healthy path. Uh, and so my landlord slash great friend at the time mm -hmm. on the property we we're currently living on was like, hey, I need a ranch hand. Right. Is this something you'd like to do? And I was like, for sure. Mm -hmm. So I started ranch handing for him uh, 25 hours a week. That was right around the time Willow was uh, coming. Like mm -hmm. she was she was just about to be born. And. It gave me the opportunity to be a stay-at-home dad for, like, a while, mm -hmm. working 25 hours or less a week while my wife was in college. Mm -hmm. And the ranch hand job was great for a while. Uh, then during the rainy season, I wasn't able to get as many hours. Mm -hmm. And so I pursued, like, a very, very part-time position. I think I was working, what was it, four hours times 16 hours a week as a janitor, mm -hmm. right? And I was stoked. Right. It was at a high end gym. I was able to sauna every day after work. <laughs> I was like, I was like, this is awesome. And I was making, making, I was really keeping things clean. Yeah. Like it was tidy. Yeah. And then I started seeing like that there needed to be some decent changes at the place I was working. Like I needed to, I needed more challenge for myself. Mm -hmm. And that challenge, there was no room for change there. 
Mm -hmm. right? And I had had a coffee shop job when I was right out of high school. Mm -hmm. And I loved it. Something about the energy of like new people coming in and every day, like fresh perspective, people to like bounce your energy off of, uh, like a very much a positive feedback loop. Like you bounce your energy off of them, the energy comes back and then you're just like slinging coffee all day. Mm -hmm. It was a lot of fun. So I told my wife, I was like, Hey, I know that like I've been doing the stay at home dad thing for three years now. I think I would like to pursue coffee again. And she'd heard me talk about the coffee shop all the time. Mm -hmm. It was basically like, I knew I was at some point I would probably own a coffee shop and me and my, I guess my boss at the, the gym had talked about cat and cloud a lot. Mm -hmm. I used to listen to the podcast, which is very hilarious at the moment, uh, <laughs> uh, all the time while I was working. I could like wear headphones at work because I would open before the gym would open. So I'd have an hour, hour and a half to myself. Uh -huh. And Baca would suggest like how to pitch things or how to find happiness at work or mm -hmm. the way to approach management, mm -hmm. right? And I was like, oh, this guy, like, one, gets it. Two, I loved coming into Cat and Cloud. I could not afford Cat and Cloud. Mm -hmm. So I would uh, ask for gift cards for my birthday and for Christmas. Mm -hmm. And my wife would get me, you know, $25 gift card here. Or my family would get me a $10 gift card here or there. Mm -hmm. And I would save them up and I would use them on black coffee, mm -hmm. right? Because that was the cheapest thing on the menu. And the thing that I honestly enjoy the most, like that's what I had this morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that way I could stretch my buck and I could come into Cat and Cloud as many times as I could. Mm -hmm. And so spe specifically this location at Portola, mm -hmm. I would like come in here, I would get my black coffee in a mug, I would sit down and I would journal or I would just like hang out and like people watch. I mean, basically you could feel the energy in the building. Mm -hmm. And so I started trying to implement some of the things that Baca had said uh, at my janitor position. Mm-hmm. And it was, one, a way I wouldn't normally approach things. My, I'm more of like the get it done and then ask for forgiveness later. And <laughs> Baca kind of was like, hey, here's how you should pitch something. Or maybe you should see this from the perspective of your manager. Or, you know, what a number of gold nuggets that he would present. Mm -hmm. And I started to implement those things. And I got shut down at just about every stop mm -hmm. and then i think one of them baka was like and if you know this isn't working then maybe you should just reassess where you're working and change your path you mm -hmm. know mm -hmm. and it was funny because my boss knew a lot about cat and cloud and had mentioned that there was like profit sharing here mm -hmm. and that that he like personally knew baka mm -hmm. and he had mentioned that there was like healthcare and all. So me and my boss were like talking up Cat and Cloud. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, I should be working at Cat and Cloud. I love coffee. Mm -hmm. I dislike my current job. Mm -hmm. uh, all the things that Baca and Jared were saying, I agreed with. And I was like, I'll get it. I'll go see if I can get a job. So I made up my resume, got it, got it up to date. 
dropped one off at Aptos and one off at Portola. Mm -hmm. And both times I was like, I'm not looking. The job I currently have is the job that I will be at if I don't get this job. I'm not looking for a job. I'm looking for this job. Mm -hmm. I just want to work at Cat and Cloud. And I remember I dropped it off with Tanner. And then I got lucky and I got to drop it off with Jared here at Portola. Mm -hmm. And I struck a nerve, I guess, because I got an interview. It took about a month. And uh, then I... they offered me the position and I stepped in and one, I was immediately blown away. Like they walked the walk, mm-hmm. right? It was like, we are walking the walk every day. Mm-hmm. And I had at previous positions seen a lot of people like talk up like the place before you get in mm-hmm. and, and then, then you, you get, get in there. and it's like disappointing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and that's a terrible thing to say, but that was really the yeah. case. I was like, Oh, you guys are full of shit, right? <laughs> like, this is an excellent experience for everybody except for the people that work here, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And then I got into Cat and Cloud, and it was like, this is awesome. Oh, this is exactly how I would do it. Oh, this is rad. Like, everything, all of the things that had been promised were being delivered on. And the things that weren't being delivered on were actively talked about and Mm -hmm. they were trying to improve them and they weren't there were just there was no BS here. Mm -hmm. It was really nice. Mm -hmm. And the problems that they were tackling seemed like the most important problems to tackle at the moment that we were tackling them Mm -hmm. in the beginning. Yeah. It's a long, very strange sentence, but (laughs) that's that's the way it was. I was super pleased. And I remember at our first team meeting, like. I was blown away by the things that we were approaching and the tact with which they were being approached. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I wasn't even using the we. It was like, oh, you guys are slaying it. And then I remember somebody being like, no, we're slaying it. Like, you're here now. You've been here for, you know, two weeks. Like, you're part of this. Let's slay. Mm -hmm. And it, like, really, at that moment in time, super connected with me, super hard. And I, like, went up to shake Baca's hand and, like, thank Baca and Jared for, like, creating this place, Mm -hmm. which basically felt like it was just, like, very magical, Mm -hmm. especially after having jumped from place to place. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't naive to what a workplace could look like. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so I had seen so much that was so close to right but wasn't the right fit. Mm -hmm. And then to step in here and have it be as magical as it was, I barely got the thank you out before I started to well up like there were tears in my eyes mm-hmm. and I was like oh I for sure should not be crying in front of Chris Baca <laughs> right now so I'm just gonna like wrap this conversation up and then step outside yeah. and that's exactly what I was doing I was like thank you so much for everything you guys do here thank you thank you thank you shook his hand plus I'd probably watch too much Baca on YouTube so it was yeah. very weird to be staring into his eyes in person yeah right yeah. And so, like, I stepped out, and I at that moment, I went home to my wife. I was like, I'm, like, all in. Like, we are doing this, not, like, they're doing this. Like, I, I yeah. got it at that point. Yeah. And I've kind of approached it like that since. since, And it's only gotten better. And, yeah, we're walking the walk. It's it's pretty yeah. amazing. Yeah. It's super amazing. It, it really is. And I have one thing that I remember very, very specifically about you. And I think this was your first shift at Portola where 
if you walk into the cafe, there's like a little like uh, rubber like lining thing and from the it's like a delineation between like the guest experience yeah. and like the team member yeah. experience and it's at my orientation like i it was the store the store was empty and it was just us learning about what the culture was going to look like here mm-hmm. and i asked tanner i was like hey tanner like is it cool if i step behind the counter mm-hmm. and he's like oh yeah you you work here now Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yes. And I like straight jumping jacked back and forth, like minimize, maximize, minimize, maximize. <laughs> like from one side of the counter to the other, I was like in hysterics. I was so stoked. Yeah. One, because I knew what a coffee shop, the energy at a coffee shop could feel like because I had been at a coffee shop before and I loved it. Mm-hmm. And then to come here where it's not only a coffee shop, which I love, mm-hmm. but it's a coffee shop that's doing it right. Yeah. Like that's taking care of its people and taking and like service based coffee shop i mean everything was just so spot on Mm -hmm. and i was yeah i was definitely over the moon i was levi on 10 and then and then i got real quiet while i digested everything for the first month or two Mm -hmm. and tanner's like hey you know uh you can be a little like more yourself Mm, on the floor you can be a little louder and i remember that conversation because i was like oh you do not even know what's coming (laughs) i'm about to hit this place like a wrecking ball yeah i remember talking about this too you're like i'm just like i i want to be show appropriate and also like myself so i'm just figuring it out and I mean, I think you got it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've like, settled in. Let's see if this way I've settled in. <laughs> I've stretched my toes. I'm here. Yeah, I've walked that line. Nice, nice. And then so from day one, because your experience and your journey from your first day up until now is different, for lack of a better word, title-wise. Oh, yeah. Like, I've, I've definitely... I've moved up at Cat and Cloud. Mm-hmm. I was concierge, mm-hmm. and I waited a good long time before I touched the bar. Mm-hmm. I was never comfortable on bar at any of the other coffee shops that I worked at. I did it like a while at a little specialty coffee shop in my hometown, mm-hmm. and then that was second wave coffee. And then I did maybe three months at Starbucks. It was not what I wanted, mm-hmm. so I uh, left. And then I went to Pete's, and Pete's was somewhere in the realm of something I liked, and I really enjoyed that in college as well. Mm-hmm. I was there for maybe eight months-ish, uh, but never was comfortable on bar. And so I remember moving up into barista, like to the barista position here, and I was like, oh, this is, I'm, I was scared of it. Like, mm-hmm. here we go, right? Like, the line's gonna come in, and I'm gonna have to make these drinks fast enough. Mm-hmm. And it was not like that. It was just like full team support, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I just felt like people had my back, mm-hmm. and it wasn't, you're not fast enough, so we're gonna replace you on bar. Mm-hmm. It was, let us support you until you are fast enough, and your drinks are uh, to the quality that we'd like. Mm-hmm. It was really cool to, that's, that is the cat and cloud experience that I was talking about. It was like, it was supportive Mm -hmm. and not abrasive Mm -hmm. and so moved into that and then i got the chance to move over to abbott square um and support bell in her team leader role there Mm -hmm. and that was not a change that i saw coming Mm -hmm. Uh, i knew that we were going to be opening up our aptos our aptos location Mm -hmm. and i thought i was going to be moving in that direction Mm -hmm. and then tanner and Kristen threw me the surprise of like hey we think that you could really thrive over here at Abbott Square. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were very right. <laughs> uh, and it has been it has been a lot of fun, like, growing into leadership here mm-hmm. a little bit more. Mm-hmm. 
um, I remember in high school they had like the kids that were in leadership. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was like, those nerds, <laughs> right? <laughs> Like, who takes leadership seriously? <laughs> I'm just, out, <laughs> just out here trying to unicycle. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and uh, and I think that just, like, the the way that education works here at Cat and Cloud and the, if you want to thrive, that you're given the ability to thrive and that there is a lot of open-mindedness here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that even though we've been doing something a certain way, it doesn't mean we can't do it a different way. Mm-hmm. And if you do have a different way of doing things, that they're going to let you know whether that way is appropriate or inappropriate. There, there's conversations to be had here. Yeah. Like, it's not I'm the boss and this is how we do it. Mm-hmm. It's let's talk about that. And I really appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's why, aside from the service and the culture, I think as far as the system goes, that is like the cat and cloud experience too. That's like one of the positives where it's because these things are done so well and they're thought about and there's conversations happening all the time. There's a lot of openness and transparency, I guess. And that's a lot of places, a lot of places don't have that. It's very much like a hierarchy of this and this and like that's it. Yeah. And there's like steps and like you have to almost earn your way to just to talk to someone. Yeah, totally. I mean, we're lucky enough to get here on the ground floor as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've. This was the Portola location and then Abbott Square when I had started. Mm-hmm. And now we're watching us grow to Aptos and eventually Swift Street. Mm-hmm. So we are seeing the beginning of things. But we've been watching it grow in the right direction. Mm-hmm. And it's been really fun, especially recently when we when I started, it was somewhere in the like 26 to 30 person range. And now we've got about 50 people. Yeah. And... To see how we're maintaining the culture is really refreshing. The mm-hmm. fact that, that yeah. eyes are pointed in that direction and not towards how can we increase pastry sales mm-hmm. and not towards uh, let's put some more stuff near the cash register because those last minute impulse buys are what's important to the 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 bottom line. Yeah. Right. It's not about that. Yeah. And that's and it's more about how can we keep the people that we have happy while being the best version of cat and cloud that we can be yeah and the tools i mean the values that we're given right that we're we're given and like given the opportunity to support up front mm-hmm. it's very clear from the beginning that this is what we're here to do mm-hmm. and that we can do it gracefully. Mm-hmm. It it's so refreshing. Yeah, and I that is part of like the whole boiling pot that is this like wonderful magical feeling that comes along with Cat and Cloud. Yeah, I mean it's employee employee to employee relations. It's employee to guest relations. It's the mission of like simply like making people happier than when we found them, which is like hardcore what you resonate with yeah i i mean it couldn't connect more yeah so for me specifically it's been a wonderful fit Mm -hmm. 
and it's the reason I'm here. Yeah. Right? Like the paycheck is a nice bonus. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> like support supporting my family is rad. <laughs> but like this is like this is why I'm on the planet. Yeah. And not why I'm at Cat and Cloud. And mm-hmm. because that's why Cat and Cloud is on the planet, mm-hmm. like it's just it's the right resonance. Mm. I like that. Yeah. And it's almost because this place, how I viewed it for myself and try to explain it to myself is if I could create a dream job, what would it look like? And I know like if I when you include more people, it's hard to like create that utopian environment because realistically that doesn't exist. You're not going to make absolutely everyone happy every day. Totally. But it's like if I had a dream job, what would that look like? How would that look like? And I think when Chuck, Chris, and Jared started to develop this place, that's exactly, they created a thing like, if we were to do it, how would we do it? And how would it look like? And then here it is. Yeah. It's based off experience. And their perspective is so, it seems like common sense, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. But it isn't. And the way they've approached it and grown it and, trusted us like mm-hmm. the trust is a huge portion of it mm-hmm. it it's mind-blowing it's been really fun to watch it grow and like you said as we get bigger and we want this i mean utopia is a pretty loaded word yeah but like this this wonderful magical vibe that is cat and cloud mm-hmm. those challenges are also what keeps me here because let's be real like if this were the same thing day in and day out, like if I were concierge, mm-hmm. and I think Baca says this pretty regularly on the podcast as well, the podcast and the YouTube channel and the whole thing, but mm-hmm. if you aren't being presented challenges, then it becomes stale. Mm-hmm. And the beauty of this place is that they are embracing those challenges, and that's what keeps it feeling so fresh. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. We're not backing down from challenges and we're not trying to just maintain where we're at. We're constantly trying to grow as a company, as personal, individual human beings, and then grow professionally as well. Mm-hmm. And it's been really refreshing to watch that happen uh, with everybody that's here. I mean, I can name, we could just name everybody on the floor. Mm-hmm. Let's be real. Yeah. Because everybody that's here and that's still here has been growing with. Like, I've, it's fun to watch adults grow, I guess, is what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize how much I would grow mm-hmm. coming into this place. It was like, oh, I'm going to come here and I'm going to offer myself up, mm-hmm. which is what I did. I didn't expect the growth to be so influential on who I was as a person here yeah. at Cat and Cloud. That's so funny you say that. That super reminded me of what you said earlier of watching Willow play. Yeah. It's it's exactly that. And so it's been really fun to watch her grow as I grow here and watching other people grow here. And it's been, this is, I'm here, you know? Like, yeah. it's been really nice to be able to commit to something and know that I can shape the future of Cat and Cloud mm-hmm. by embracing Cat and Cloud. Mm-hmm. What would you say to someone who right now is listening to this while working and isn't necessarily super loving what they do, but they still show up every day? Uh, I say quit your job, 
first, right? Because that's the responsible thing to do. Uh Like financially just quit and then just like wander around for a little while, stumble into Cat and Cloud, drop off a resume, and if it doesn't work out, you're screwed. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the end of the podcast. Thank you. Sick. You're screwed. Bye. Yeah. Have a nice life. Sick life. Sick life. Uh, no, but for reals, just like, just do what makes you happy. I think that's that. That's the point. Yeah. Yeah. I would say so too. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for taking the time to meet with me. Oh and yeah. And then before work and all this stuff. Yeah. yeah really appreciate it. Of course. And. Um, I'm going to Eskimo kiss the microphone. Uh, Do it. Does it smell good? No, it just feels good on the tip of your nose. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>